another edition of the show, episode 332. It's September 19th, 2022, and I'm joined once again by Kyle claiming up in Cedar City, Iowa. Kyle, how are you? Georgia's on my mind, though. Uh, it should be. Gave me a sec. Took it me a second. Yeah, let's bring him on. Today's guest is Cliff Fretwell. He's down in the Peach State. Is it the Peach State? What state is it? As long as you don't call it Hotlanta, we're good, man. All right. Well, Those days have sailed. Those days have sailed. All right. Cliff Fretwell's in the house. Well, he's in his house, but he's he's on our show. Pumped to have him up. Um, I don't even know how to – long time wrestler, wrestling fan, super fan. Uh, man, he does it all. Um, okay, Cliff. Uh, man, there's I don't, we start the show like this a lot with everybody like how you know we can get into today and in the last ten years and knowing each other. But how did you get introduced to wrestling? Uh, junior high coach, this guy named Coach Romeo, I just grabbed me in PE one day and was like, "Hey, you're a pretty decent athlete," which I really wasn't, and and was like, "You should come out for wrestling." And sixth grade, I came out. I was terrible, and I stayed about average my whole career <laughs> but it was just it was just something about you know it was just something about the the brotherhood and the camaraderie and 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 just single accountability in a lot of aspects of the sport my my dad was a, a hard-working guy he was a welder and just that's all I knew you know it was just hard work you don't call in sick you you know you show up when you say you're going to and, and you do what you say you're going to commit to and you know it's just something that just kind of fit you know my DNA and how I was raised and you know, the more I got into it and got around the the people in the sport, the more I kind of was like, you know, this is this is where I want to live it, 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 for the majority of my sports career, and that's kind of what I did. I, it's it's kind of been a wild ride since then. Yeah, yeah, for sure, very wild ride. So, I mean, growing up in Georgia in the, I guess the '90s is probably when you got into wrestling. There's not internet, there's not YouTube, there's not flow. Like, what was your understanding of the wrestling world did you did you know much about college or international or was your world like georgia at the time or the, maybe the region yeah um so i had a teammate that was had been in it for a while i mean but the, the opportunities like it, we try to explain to our club kids that like the opportunities you guys have now is like not even you can't even describe like the least amount of opportunities we had back then you know to wrestle in yeah. these national events and travel and things like that there was fargo and that was that was it you know there wasn't super 32 there wasn't preseason nationals was none of these events you know so like you got kind of a couple marquee events a year um but you got the usa wrestling magazine you know so you could thumb through that and you know you you were always watching who the espoir kids were like you know like if they were ranked in the world and stuff and you know that was like my group was like chatsman and and Cody Sanderson and those guys coming through. So like, you know, those guys were the guys I looked up to that were the same age as me, you know, for the most part. So those guys are my heroes, even though they're the same age. Um, but uh, there was there was two Iowa public television VHS tapes that I had. And that was, you know, they had the Brands Brothers wrestling a couple duels on them and literally watched those until they broke, you know, and that was <laughs> That was my exposure to the wrestling world from a media standpoint. You you didn't really see NCAAs on TV, you know, and if you did, it was a half a match here and there. But for the most part, it was Iowa Public Television, those two VHS tapes, and when, you know, Wrestling Magazine when it USA Wrestling Magazine when it came in, that was it. You know, it was did wild. You, 
Did you drop Scott Schatzman's name? Schatzman, yeah. is that who you're talking about? Yes, yeah, Scott Schatzman. Yep, he was a savage. Because I remember, I remember he was always kind of at the top of like the up and coming, or you know, the the guy that you know, the guy that was out there like you know, beating the best guys in the country. And I think he was in my bracket my junior year at Fargo um, at 132, I believe it was, 126, something weird like that. But it was just like, you know, it was like, I, I'm not going to, unless I get him first round, I ain't going to see him. So, you know, <laughs> sure. it was just cool going to watch. But I think him and Cody Sanderson might have wrestled in that bracket that year. I, I mean, I have to go back and look. But, yeah, it's just crazy looking back on it and the guys that came through. But, yeah, right on. We 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 wrestled in the same club growing up, and I, you know, he was amazing, and he was like, I think he might have a three time All American, but doesn't have that like yeah. standout name. But to hear you like call that from nowhere, I thought that was cool. Um, okay, so you you're in Georgia, you grow up, and you're going to Fargo, and, and you said you're pretty average, but like deep love for it and accountability and hard work. So I don't know between then and like I don't know '08 or something. You meet Joe Joe Flow out out at I don't even know. So, I don't know. So then when you start doing the previews with, with Roper, but like, how, how, did you have your club or what were you guys doing where you met Joe early on at maybe Super 32 or something? And he's like, I met these guys down in Georgia and they're great. And I was like, Georgia, they got wrestling? Like, no yeah, offense. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, so, so, um, I remember, so everybody knows Arturo Holmes. He's the, the the dreadlock guy at all the tournaments with the crazy, like, dragon skin, you know, three-piece suits coaching in the corner and stuff. So, like, he had opened a club, I think, my junior year. And, of course, like, you know, I'm blue-collar family. We ain't got a lot of money to go to clubs and stuff. So I'd cut grass and, like, go to his place on Sundays. And that's when I started kind of getting exposed to, oh, there's a there's another level, another level to this. And there was a couple guys in Georgia at the time. Like I think it was like Travis Belmere and like Chris Frazier and some of these guys that were traveling nationally and, and doing bigger things on the national scale, but it, it still was just tough to get, you know, get noticed, especially being from Georgia. So, you know, I had actually, you know, didn't win the state title, devastated, just didn't recover mentally from it, was going to go to Georgia state and wrestle. They had a division one program at the time. And Curtle Meyer, who was Gable's coach, like had actually started the division one team there. And then I think Keith Walton might've took it over and Jeff Bedard and some of those guys were, were helping him coach. So like, there was like a, a push to like, okay, Georgia's going to start like making some gains. And then that all kind of fell apart. Like about, I don't know, probably about three or four years into it. And then I was just like, man, it's that, that's the writing on the wall. I was, I was like walking on and going to a couple practices a week. Like I was never going to crack the lineup. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, they actually had some some really, really tough, you know, like southeastern regional type kids on there. So like I'm out for like probably three years. And then my oldest son, Anthony, comes home with like a flyer for middle school wrestling. And I'm just like, yeah, like, OK, like you're kind of a mama's boy. Like, I don't know if, if this is going to be the thing for you. So like I started investigating in the in the middle school coach was actually one of the better middle school coaches in Georgia. And that's saying a lot because there's not a lot of really good middle school coaches you know, period that are just middle school coaches. And then I look in and the high school coach is Marty Hutzel, which is like one of the best high school coaches to ever come out of Georgia. So I was like, "Eh, I'll dip my toe in the water and help a little bit. And then, you know, three months in, I'm crazy dad, dragging Anthony to everything, traveling around the country. And then, you know, I start seeing the landscape that it's either USA wrestling cadet duels and, and Fargo. And then there's no really other opportunity as a group. So Roper had just moved back from App State 
And Josh and Mike Steven were like kind of my mentors and heroes growing up from, from coaching. You know, Josh was at Collins or at Harrison at the time coaching with Roper and his brother, Mike was at Grayson. And, you know, I was like, Hey, like, how can we get these group of kids together and like drag them around the country? And like, we can't beat these guys if we don't wrestle them. You know, so we started a nonprofit called the GNWA, Georgia National Wrestling Alliance. It was basically, uh, you know, a slap in the face to USA Wrestling to say, hey, like, if you guys aren't going to do it, we're going to do it. So it was just ragtag bunch of crazy dads and some diehard coaches just dragging groups of kids around the country. And, you know, our goal every year was to take kids to NHSCAs and senior nationals and have them win some matches. And we just convinced these kids that match, match wins are worth scholarship money. So we would just borrow high school rooms around the metro Atlanta area. We would just charge kids exactly what it would cost to go to the event. So it's like 150 bucks. We're going to take a charter bus, put you in hotels, and we're going to do a five-week training camp at these local high schools. Any and everybody can come. We had like probably 15 coaches that were just volunteering their time coming. I would kind of orchestrate everything with a guy named Tom Mitchell and L.A. Ruffin, Justin Ruffin's dad, who's at SIUE now. Mm -hmm. And it just started steamrolling into into this, like, just it started out as Bad News Bears, and it was like the best kids in Georgia traveling. You know, and it was just really cool to see, like, to create an avenue for these kids to, like, go to an event. We were all wearing the same gear. You know, I would design the gear and just get whoever to make it, you know, and yeah. then we just show up. But it was like, we're going to show up. We're going to look like a team. We're going to train together for five weeks and we're going to go. And then Team Georgia was like, well, OK, well, if you guys are going to take this group here and charge 150 bucks, then we're going to take another group to preseason nationals and charge 100 bucks. So it started to be a competitive landscape. But at the end of the day, it was like if we had 60 kids going to Super 32 and they had 60 kids going to preseason nationals, now we've got 120 kids competing at two national events. And like, that's what we needed anyways. Yeah. So by us just trying to be this rogue establishment of crazy wrestling dads, we actually created a landscape of competition to where it just kind of forged some paths for kids to see what else was out there. So that's a really, you know, cool thing to look back on and all the guys that were involved in and all the kids that came through like Luhan and stuff like Luhan was there as a seventh grader you know, coming to these practices back then. And like, he was like a baby deer. Like he couldn't, he, you know, he was just, he, you know, and then seeing back then and now it's just, it's crazy. Watch some of these kids. I'm, I'm extremely blessed to just be a part of it. You know? Yeah. That's really, I didn't, I didn't really, I mean, I knew the surface of that story, but I guess I, I didn't know how deep it went. As you go from the bad news bears to like a, a more legit club or, or organization, did you like, was it just like, okay, like day at a time, day at a time, week, month at a time? Or did you ever start to look further out and think to what today is? Like, or when did you start to think, maybe I'll start my own club and I'll, or clothing apparel or et cetera? I'll tell you, Mark, like I was thinking about like, I was like, I know kind of what we're going to talk about on this show. And I was kind of thinking back through my head because I always get the timeline wrong and sure. Stephanie will see it or hear it and just be like, dude, you're two years off here. You're two years <laughs> off there. And, it, you know, because she she lived it with me, whether she wanted to or not. And that's that's one thing, man, like, you know how it is now, you know, like if you ain't if you don't have a ride or die wife like I have that 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 not only lets you do what you do, but being heavily involved in what you do, like it just it don't work. You know, we know all the guys that have end up like single wrestling coaches and like, man, she's she's the most ride or die wrestling wife there is in the planet. So, you know, a lot of the stuff that I'm 
I'm, I'm involved in today either happen not by accident was a byproduct of uh, a good pure intention with a lot of really good people or we saw a problem in an industry or with a with an event or something that we were like we can do better yeah. you know what i'm saying like you know so like as we met joe on the road traveling with the bad news bears stuff like yeah. you know our kids were so bad they'd be out of the tournament by the quarterfinals so we just asked joe hey you want us to film the quarterfinals through the rest of the tournament like we ain't got nothing to do we're already here you know trips paid for so like that's kind of how that happened and then you know we were doing the fantasy wrestling and i remember i had lied to my wife that that joe flo was paying for my trip to the vegas invite and uh I was paying for it out of my pocket. Like Joe did, Joe, Joe's like, you can sleep on my floor yeah. and help film. You know, those, that was the days, right? I'll bring so your camera. I lied. I, yeah. I, I lied to her that Joe paid for the trip. And then me and Roper were arguing over, you know, our, our, our fantasy wrestling, you know, picks. And I was like, you know what? I was like, let's film them. And then, you know, there's no question as to who, who picked what. And he was like, okay. And then I was like, I'm going to put it on flow. Cause I was back when, you know, we could all just yeah. upload whatever we wanted. And, uh, he was like, ain't nobody going to watch it. And I don't know if it's still up, but it was the long and dirty Vegas preview invite. And it was like two hours long. It was absurd. Yeah. It was me and Roper sitting in my backyard, like arguing over who's going to win what. And I think that's when Frank Molinaro gorilla Hulk name came, came up and like all that stuff. And then like people watched it and like people were talking about it. And I told Roper, I was like, we got to do another one for the next event. You know, and then it went from same thing, just me and him being morons in front of a camera to like us breaking down and just spending absurd amounts of time doing the previews. And like we didn't realize like we were kind of creating our own personal. I mean, it was kind of like a podcast back then where there weren't podcasts. Yeah. You know, it was just me and him at 2 a.m. reading off spreadsheets, arguing about who was going to beat who. But I think the cool part about that is, is like we were so passionate about what we were actually discussing because I never wanted to be wrong. And I always was wrong about a lot of stuff. And Roper was just so much smarter than me that, that we, we did our research and like coach, even college coaches appreciated that we weren't just saying this guy was going to beat this guy just because he had a, this number next to his name. We were actually talking about like styles and, you know, and, and positions and, and strengths versus weaknesses. And like, I think that made a difference, you know, cause it was just kind of a fresh Thing. And it was just two guys that just bled passion for the sport. And accidentally, people kind of looked at us as like pseudo experts in, in some of this stuff. And then like, you know, it became a job like and we felt the pressure to like always be on point. And right. But it took its toll. I mean, like two guys that, that like spent five, six hours a day digging through spreadsheets and brackets, like it started to suck a little bit of life out of us. And you know, Roper was probably the first one to be like, look, man, like nothing should ever be this like stressful that started out being this fun, you know, and that those are the things that I miss the most. It's just me and him just, you know, arguing about wrestling and who's going to win what. But like that just kind of put us on a different stage, you know, uh, at that national level, you know. So when the, the club started, it was just kind of the next progression, you know. Yeah. So then th that's where I was going to go, like why or how or or did you know roper you knew him prior to the club right and you guys started the club and or no yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i i didn't know him until he moved back from app state i met him through josh steven yeah okay so he was coaching he was so that was back when josh condon and the medbeds were at harrison and josh took 
his a handful of his kids up to Iron Man, and then he got in a bunch of trouble because they wrestled Blair kids, and like Georgia fined them and all this stuff. And like I think Condon made the finals, and Alex Medved got fifth or something. It was crazy for Georgia kids to go to Iron Man back then and do anything. Sure. So like I met Roper through that, but the minute I met Roper, I was like, this is my dude. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? You just meet yeah. people and you're like, that that's my guy. Like we see eye to eye on, on a crazy level that a lot of people don't. Well, the club thing wasn't ever a thought really when we did the GNWA. It was like, hey, we're going to start this nonprofit and then we're going to parlay it into a profitable business. Yeah. Um, but it, the writing started to be on the wall that like we made an amazing combination of, of wrestling people. I knew Roper was until this day, still one of the, the most exceptional coaches and technicians I've ever been around. And like, I knew I could do a little bit of marketing and was starting to learn business a little bit. And I was just like, man, let's do this in the private sector. Like we've got these kids that we've been like, like a Lujan type kid that's been with us traveling for three, four years. Like, we're not going to catch these guys just by going and wrestling them on the weekends. So like we need to train more, like, how can we do this? And it can't just be a couple weeks before these tournaments with all these kids. So like I, I was working at an ad agency and my buddy actually laid me off and he was like, man, I, I don't feel too bad laying you off. Cause we lost a big like Verizon accounts, like hundred million dollars. And I was an art director and I knew I was going to get clipped, you know, cause I started from the top down and mm-hmm. he was like, I don't feel bad laying you off. Cause I know you got all these side hustles. And I was like, well, one's a nonprofit and one's just kind of this little thing. So it's like, I didn't tell Stephanie for a couple of days. I told Roper, I was like, I'm going to drive around and find a building. I said, we're just going to start a wrestling facility, you know? And I had no clue, like you're not going to make any money off of wrestling facilities. So yeah. me and LA Ruffin got in a car one weekend, drove around, found a metal building in Stockbridge about, 15 minutes from where we're at now and and i signed a two-year lease and then told Stephanie, hey i got laid off and, and by the way we're starting a wrestling facility <laughs> and by the way i signed a two-year lease and please don't leave me so like <laughs> when i say ride or die man like she is the most ride or die person on the planet it, she i've given her multiple reasons to to leave me in the dust and like i guess the thing we underestimate is all those kids that have been traveling with us. I mean, cause Luhan lived a hun- an hour and 20 minutes away from us, like one way, you know, but what we underestimate is we had, we had created a bond and trust with those kids and those parents traveling those years that when we opened the facility, they all showed up the pikes, you know, you know, Jake Hodges, like, you know, all those guys, like they showed up day one. And, you know, I know some people see a lot of pictures of the, of the kids on the wall in the club and the technique videos and stuff like those are the OG kids that like the day we opened, they showed up Ryan Mosley on a gamble. Like I'm, I'm, I'm missing a ton of them, but you know, like the, those are the kids, you know, Owen Brown, he's at SDSU right now. Like those kids showed up and it didn't matter how far they were away. You know, it wasn't like they were 15 minutes away and like, it was just cool, man. It was just one of those things that the purest intentions sometimes, you know, yield the, the, the coolest results, you know, or the coolest experiences in life. And, you know, it was, it's, it's been an unbelievable blessing. It has, it's been really cool. It had to be scary as hell. Like a two year, a two year lease is a commitment, you know, like, okay, uh, <laughs> one year's enough, but like two, like, um, so obviously deep down you had faith or you believed that this could work when, when they all showed up on day one, was that a little surprising or is it like, I'm sure it was refreshing, but was it, was it surprising? Holy crap. Not going to take as long as I thought. Uh, I, it just, it, it kind of blew us away. You know, like it, you've been around Roper a ton, man. Like he's just one of those matter of fact guys. It's like, it's either going to work or it's not. He's a black and white guy. I'm w- way more emotional about stuff. And that's why it was a perfect fit. 
and uh, like I was bouncing off the walls. I was just like, dude, he showed up and he showed up and these guys are here. And Roper's just like, yep, now we got to get them good. You know, it was just, it was immediately to work. You know, it was just, and you know, I, he, not a lot of people are ever going to get to see the side of Roper that I have over the years, but like that dude's got unbelievable amount of love in his heart, you know, for, for the, the career that he's in, but just the type of person he is and, and how he was raised. But you know, I could tell he was doing backflips on the inside, but he he would never probably admit it or, or show it. But, uh, I mean, we got right to work, man, and we just convinced those kids that, you know, we were going to outwork everybody. And, you know, the the coolest part about that journey is we didn't know how to coach and they didn't know how to wrestle. So, like, we learned how to coach while they learned how to wrestle. And I'll never be able to get to experience that with another group of kids again. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it's kind of like raising your first child. You don't know how to parent and they don't really – know how to be a you know a human know in this world and yeah. you know and that's why the, that's why the second kid you just let do whatever they want because you're you're you know you're kind of numb to it but you know that was a that was the experience we had you know and those relationships i have with those kids now is just it, the relationships i have with the kids today are, are great but you'll never be able to replace that experience that, that we had with that first group and it's just it's it's too special to even put into words but you know it's you know that's why I put them. That's why I put them on the wall when we opened when we remodeled this new gym because like it was that important to recognize those kids that showed up day one and stayed there through the end of their careers. Sure. You know, and and it's got to be crazy to to not only see them show up on day one but to see them turn into young men and and like at this point probably adults, right? You're like, whoa, you're a grown up. Yeah, I mean, and not just grown-ups and adults, but successful businessmen, successful coaches. I mean, Hunter Gamble's coaching at UTC. Ryan Mosley, you know, he's a two-time qualifier for Gardner Webb. He's 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 running a, a vintage clothing and sneaker shop. And when I say he's absolutely killing it, he's absolutely killing it. But you know, for for guy for guys like Ryan to call me and ask me business advice, and and then not only me able to be coach him in a wrestling sense but give him some business advice and then watch him run with that, you know, that trust level, you know, I got, a, I got some amazing mentors in my life and I'm sure we'll get a change at, at one point um, about elite eight, but, you know, being able to mentor Ryan on a, on a wrestling level and then be able to have that same trust when he asked me about his livelihood and then watch him attack it the same way he did wrestling technique in the business world you know, there's never been a time where he called and asked me for advice and the next morning he wasn't executing, you know, and to watch him do stuff like that, you know, it's just, it's, it's so cool for me to just be a part of, you know, like sometimes I'm just like, dude, I, I, I don't deserve to like be an integral part of some of these people's lives because my word carries a lot, you know, to what I say to him. I don't, I don't want to give the wrong advice and, it, you know, ruin his business, but that trust level's there, you know, and it's, it's just cool to, to do that i mean brett yarborough he's he's still up at indiana tech i mean there's so many kids i could go down that wall and name like jr Wirt. you know he had moved down here from pa and then went back to christian you know wrestling christian's brothers you know like there's just so many cool kids that, that came through this this i mean Monty jones you know there's still kids that like came through that some of the best kids that came through this club that are still you know active in college like singleton and stuff like that you know you're talking about kate mccrary kyle gallhofer like those guys you know jackson smith like those were og compound kids they're, they're still out there like doing it on a huge level it's just too too freaking cool for me to watch sure so there's there's the gnwa and then that morphs into compound wrestling club and then and and you and you guys are doing the previews in between and 
and behind you on the wall, I see that badass mural, and I'm guessing you put that together. And you got, you know, you got some really, you're talented with design, and and you'd make these, uh, I don't want to call them black market shirts, but you know, like Gorilla Hulk and uh, oh god, sure. uh, Kent State, <laughs> um, what was his name? Uh, Kilgore, Kill, the killer, the right? Monster, the yeah, Vermonster, like, like yeah. So how did that? I'm guessing it was that that morphed into. You know, there's Compound Wrestling Club and there's Compound Sportswear, right? You have a, an apparel company. How did that come to be? And was I believe the club was first, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, so the clothing, again, was one of those things. It's like we're trying to buy gear from our club. And I think the first thing, the first order we did was with Fernando Serratos when he was at Clinch Gear. We're there in Creasy, and that was back when Dan Henderson and all those guys were at Clinch sure. Gear and, like, you know, I love Fernando Death, man. He's a close family friend to this day. But, like, there was just a lot of inherent issues. Like, they were running the supply issues. Like, Clinch get blew up so quick. You know, they're like, we were ordering stuff. And then, you know, and it wasn't that we had a bad a bad experience with Clinch Gear. But, again, it was one of those things that's like, man, can I do this better? Like, can I can I do this better? So, like, with GNWA, <laughs> this, is, this is ironic, and I really don't want to give them any love, but I will because, I'm you know, I'm just being transparent. But, like, I was designing our GNWA gear, and then I was getting Randy Cowlett to take down sportswear to make it, you know. And then we were going to we were going to other events, and people were like, "Man, y'all stuff looks really good. Like, who made it?" And I'm like, "Well, I designed it, but like, you know, these guys made it." So I just started funneling everything to take down. And then I'm thinking, like, these guys are paying me like 150 bucks to design all their gear, and then I'm I'm sending takedown sportswear like thousands of dollars of team wear like all the time, and I was like. I, I got to figure out how to do this. So like that was probably the most painful failures I've been through in my life is when we decided to start doing team wear on the side, but it was springboard by the save Olympic wrestling t-shirt. So like when, when, when wrestling got taken out of the Olympics, I remember driving and we had just moved into the building we're in now. It's a 14,000 square foot building. And all we were doing was wrestling. And again, that was another stupid idea that I had to make this giant sports training MMA facility that didn't work out. But, you know, I was like, I was constantly trying to figure out what was next and just over leverage everybody around me, whether they wanted to or not. And um, I drove in, I sat down at my desk. I'm the only ones in this building, you know, broker come in for practice and you know and and stuff but i was in here like trying to do some team wear stuff i was laid off at that point and just doing contract work and i heard it on the radio and i went to facebook and started save olympic wrestling facebook page yeah you know and then like i just a place for everybody to put the information and then by like lunchtime it had like thirty six thousand followers and then by that night it had like seventy five thousand followers and like all these news outlets were posting on it and it just Everybody thought it was some official thing. And I just <laughs> created it that that morning. And I'm like, dude, I got an audience. I need to do something with it. And, you know, everybody was donating money and stuff. And I was like, all right, with my skill set, what can I do to help this cause? So like, I, and then somebody had commented, you got to make a shirt. You know, it, it, that was the thing back then. Cause I had already been doing the Gorilla Hulk shirts and that you mentioned that not to get off on a tangent, but I did that to raise money for the Adam Fry Foundation. You know, so, you know, we had got to know, you know, those guys that were doing that. And I just did that every year until John Smith called me when I made the J.O. shirt and was like, hey, Cliff, man, you got to take that shirt down. Like, it's a problem. You know, that was pre-NIL. So Wait, like, well, I didn't know this story. His, give me, give me the. Oh, oh, yeah. So I made the Kid Dynamite shirt, the Vermonster shirt, the Gorilla Hulk shirt, the Kilgore shirt, and then. I was going to make one for Steber, but I uh, got shot down on that because I actually asked for permission. 
Well, I had me and J.O. were DMing on Twitter, I think. I don't even know if Instagram was around then. And uh, he was like, yeah, make me a shirt. And you know, Jay, if you know J.O., you know J.O. is just like, sure, make me a shirt. He, he really didn't bother him. So I make the shirt, and then everybody starts sharing it on social media. And I'm taking orders. But, you know, you didn't have Shopify and all that back then. I'm just taking orders through text messages and managing a spreadsheet and just hustling. And it wasn't, I wasn't keeping any of the money. And I'm, I remember meeting Frank Molinero's dad in a hotel room with a box of shirts and thinking this guy's in a mob and all this stuff, you know, like I'm thinking all this crazy stuff, you know, like, but like I get a, I get a, I get a text message from John Smith, which of course I saved his number on my phone. And uh, he's like, Hey, this is coach Smith. I need you to give me a call. And I was like, "Uh Oh, so like I call and it does, it doesn't answer. And, uh, I call again later that afternoon and I'm talking about you, the, the principal's office feeling like I got, it was, it was next level, you know, I was terrified and he was just as smooth as he could be. And he had, he's like, I got Joe sitting here at my desk. He was like talking about this t-shirt. He said, can't do it. He's like, got to take it down. He's like, we, we can't be having any of this trouble leading up to the NCAA tournament. Cause I was doing them the weekend CAs and I was just right. delivering them to people in the stands. And uh, I get off the phone and I'm just like, I just pissed off John Smith out of all the things I've never wanted to do in my life. Pissing off John Smith was one of them, but like, I mean, I guess me and him were cool now. We've had some conversations since then, but uh, yeah, that was, that was when I was like, this is scary, but I'm making some noise. You know what I'm saying? It's the wrong kind of noise, but you know, if I'm raising some eyebrows of some of these guys, like, you know, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm doing something right. But again, it, it was pure intentions. You know, we donated every single dime to the Adam Fry Foundation. I don't know how much it was over time, but like, again, it was just something pure we were doing. So then, you know, fast forward to Save Olympic Wrestling T-shirts. You know, I was just doing that to raise money. And uh, I convinced my wife to sell our house and move into an apartment to downsize so we could save money. You know, Anthony had, was wrestling at Indiana, our oldest son, and uh, Cameron was young. He wasn't wrestling. And I remember just all these orders just coming in from all over the world. And I, at that point, we had a Shopify site set up, but the the shipping label creation wasn't what it is today. So I'm hand typing in shipping labels. And I think we ended up selling probably 10,000 shirts around the world, you know, over the course of, you know, how many ever months. And I'm just hand shipping them in boxes, you know, like I'm sure there's some photos online from back when there was just boxes piled up everywhere. And Stephanie would get... She was running a law firm at the time and she'd come home and help me stuff boxes. And, you know, we just get them out the door. But like at the end of the day, it was like she'd look at me and be like, we're doing all this and you're not making any money. You realize yeah. you keep giving it away to everybody. So, you know, that's when I was kind of like, OK, we got a brand now. People know about Compound and like, can we really make this clothing thing work? And this is one of the cool parts about the sport and business that you don't get to hear a lot. I called up Jason Heslop. Who, who, you know, you know, is that 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 one of the owners of Blue Chip? I said, hey, Jason, you don't know me very well. We've met at Super 32 a couple of times. I said, thinking about starting a clothing company, can you give me any advice? And uh, that guy spent an hour and 27. I got the screenshot on my phone because I'll never forget it. Like, uh, it's probably about an hour and 20 minutes he spent on the phone with me and just walked me through like all the pitfalls and challenges I would face if I started a, started a clothing company, you know, and like, to this day, like every year I see him at Super 32, I give him a big hug and just give him an update on what we're doing. And I'm now I'm trying to steal his business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, you know, we're, 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 we're neck and neck, but like 
at the end of the day, that was one of the most pure, you know, acts of kindness that I've that I've gotten from somebody who was a direct direct competitor of mine today. And uh, we just started chipping away at it. You know, we we started at factories that we had no business. I mean, I'd never printed a T-shirt before in my life. I'd never manufactured any textile before in my life. And part of that's, you know, just reckless. But part of it's cool because we had no preconceived notion of how to do stuff. So we learned our own way. And we, you know, we've, you know, I, I guess it's 10 years. I don't know. Stephanie keeps up with all that. But like, it's it's just been really cool to get to where we were then, you know, learning all these hard, hard, you know, and I think a lot of people see us today and, you know, they recognize us as a big brand, but like I probably almost put us out of business three or four times, you know, from jump street, you know, just (laughs) whether it's making bad decisions or trying stuff we shouldn't, you know, but I think that's part of why we're where we're at today is because I was kind of fearless in making those decisions. And then Stephanie would, take away some of the recklessness and add some, you know, (laughs) some structure to it, you know, and I think we got like 37, 38 employees today. It's just, it's crazy, but like she runs the ship, man. Like there is, I get a lot of credit because I'm kind of the guy out there in the trenches at a lot of these events, but like she runs this ship. And if it wasn't for her, like it, it, it would not run. I would run it straight into the ground. (laughs) Like, I'm the creative dreamer, thinker and doer. And that's it, man. That's where my skill set stops. So sure. it's, it's funny. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I told you this, maybe not. 2013 was the, the, the save Olympic wrestling year, the year that got dropped and it wasn't going to 2020 was going to be the last year. Maybe 16 was going to be the last year. I went out to the Worlds in Budapest in 2013 <clears throat> and in, in the concourse hallway, there's your shirt on a rack for sale. And I'm like, it's, th- I mean, just ripped. I mean, ripped bootleg. Bo- bootleg. Yeah. And I was like, mother, this is, these dudes just stole, or, or was it, I think it was Budapest. It might have been Russian me a Nationals. Picture. You sent okay. me a picture. It was yeah, an international tournament. And I was, and maybe I saw it at Russian Nationals. I just remember seeing it like at the biggest events overseas at the senior level and being like, dang, Cliff stuff caught on. I mean, it sucks that they're yeah. ripping it and selling it bootlegged, but like, this guy's making, he's making an impact. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, another funny little aspect of that is, is like we made the Cyrillic version and we made a Russian version too. And the Cyrillic version that the Iranian people were buying and PayPal froze all my money for terroristic activity at really? one point. So I got, yeah, like it, it, I just got like, I'll tell you, man, if you hadn't started a small business and, and grown it into anything beyond that, like you really don't understand how wild the world is out there. You know, you just do the little things you take for granted, you know, just showing up and working for a company and not having to deal with that higher level stuff. It's just crazy when like you have to deal with it, like just the, the things that you run into, it's just like, seriously, like, like, but you know, like I said, I, I wouldn't have it any other way, man. Like it's, it's really it's really molded us as a company. I mean, it's, it's definitely changed us as a married couple, you know, we're going on 25 years this year, but like, you know, we've, we figured out how to navigate it, you know, and I, I wouldn't have never been able to do this, you know, just, just with my hopes and dreams and work ethic. You know, I just would have happened that way. So like, but you know, I, I have amazing mentors in my life and, and Shane Chittam's one of them. He's one of the smartest businessmen I know. And he's, he's a, he's a great family friend and, you know, that's, you know, kind of, you know, where a lot of this other stuff started materializing. Cause like the same thing with Roper, like if you don't have a partner in crime that is going to back you unconditionally, which Roper always has to this very day, 
um, like it's tough to just go through a lot of this stuff on your own. Like I truly believe there's nobody in this world that's self-made, you know, there's always somebody along the way that helps you. And, you know, I've just been unbelievably blessed to have the Ropers and the John Nicolellas and the LA Ruffins and, you know, and the, and the, and the chain Chittums in my life that, that held me accountable and kept me on track and was like, yeah, that's a great idea. But you know, what about this, you know? And, and, uh, it's just been cool, man. And then here we go again with some more craziness with Elite Eight. <laughs> just yeah. Might not have more we can chew at a lot of this stuff. So, I mean, it is what it is. Well, that's great because I'm glad you brought up Shane because that's a perfect segue. And, and you, you mentioned it. Elite Eight Duels. This is, I believe, the second year, right? Yeah. Well, I think it might be the third year, but it's it, we, had, we had to cancel one event. So this is the third event, I third. believe, for yeah, third event because we had to cancel the one of the Columbus Ironworks. Sure. Um, but give me, give but, me, well, the how, how to come together, right? Because you're talking about, you know, the GNWA and and all these, how they, how the spark, and then like how you fan the flames and blew it into something bigger. How did this? Where was where was the initial ember for this, and 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 where is it where is it at today? I lost the bet. So during COVID. Um, and one little tidbit I'll, I'll tie into this that, that, that'll help kind of bring some, you know, clarity to everything. So, you know, the Boom Ranch is literally a giant ranch that Shane built up and up at outside of Cleveland, Tennessee, I think it is. And, you know, he owns, a, he owns HCB Yachts, which is a yacht manufacturing company. And like I said, extremely successful businessman. You wouldn't know what talking to him. He's one of the most humble, like just country boys you ever met. But like, again, like I said, he's an extremely smart businessman. So like, He's kind of built this 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 training you know complex on on his land up in up in Tennessee and you know obviously that's where you know Ace and Cody and Cooper Hill and some of these some of these really really good kids coming out of Tennessee are training, and uh, so I'm up there during COVID. There's nowhere to really train. I don't know if our gym was completely shut down at that point or not, but like I I had gone up there and just running some sessions and hanging out with the family or whatever, killing some time during COVID and. You know, we're sitting around one evening and just reminiscing about kids and talking about this, that, and the other. And I was like, you know what, man? Like, you know, we got Singleton and Henson and McCrary and all these kids that have been traveling for, you know, dang near a decade together that are about to leave to go off to college. I was like, and and so when we started GMWA, it was just high school guys. And then I mentioned L.A. Ruffin a couple of times. Like, Justin Ruffin at the time was a, a young kid. You know, and L.A. was like, and, and I also got to mention Mike Giampalo, like he was one of the, the true OGs, you know, with me and Roper and, and, and Tom Mitchell. And so uh, L.A. was like, well, if you're doing this for the high school kids, why can't we do this with the youth kids? And I'm like, you can, but I can't do that part, too. Like I was yeah. just barking orders nonstop at all of these guys about GNWA stuff. I'm sure like they got so tired of it. But um, so they started Team Minion, which was the young kids traveling around the country and you know, if you're a high school wrestler today or, you know, towards the end of your high school career, there's more than, more than likely you've ran into Team Minion at a, at a tournament, whether it's VAC or McDonough Tools or, or some of that stuff. So, you know, like those kids grew up together traveling the country and making a name for Georgia. They're the reason why we put, what, five kids in Super 32 finals a couple years ago. Like that is that group, you know, and, you know, and, and it's not just them traveling, you know, they, they you know, they got clubs in Georgia that they've been trained at. They're not all my guys. I'm not trying to take credit for all those guys. But, you know, those guys grew up together wrestling at the highest level. So I was like, Shane, it'd be really cool to get these guys back together as high schoolers now that have been traveling as youth guys and put them against, like, some of the best teams in the country. And, you know, you know, 
Shane's kind of like me, just doesn't really see any barriers of t- entry to anything. He was like, well, I can get this team to come, and I can get this team to come, and I can get this team to come. And I was like, you're not getting all these teams under one roof for one weekend with all these studs to wrestle each other. Like, the world just don't work that way. Yeah. Everybody's, you know, ranking, protecting, and, you know, just the logistics of it alone is just too much to even ask anybody. And I was like, look, I'll make a deal with you. And I maybe it had one beer. I'm, that's all I'm going to put on record. But I was like, I'll make a deal with you. I said, if you can get all these teams to commit, I'll give you two weeks. I said, I'll do the rest of the work. I'll put the event together. I'll find a place to do it, and we'll just we'll we'll plan it together. Well, that sob and about a week and a half starts sending me screenshots, text messages from Dynasty and you know Team California and and you know you know Forbes out in Oklahoma and and all these guys, and it's like holy smokes like i might actually have to plan this event like i I gotta find a venue so it's like well we can't just do it in some you know some boring high school gym they were all closed anyways all schools were closed mm-hmm. i was like we gotta do this high end high end you know and the, again the goal was never to be some smash and grab tournament that just makes a ton of money like that wasn't the goal for me and shane you know we're unbelievably blessed to where we're at in our lives you know in the business world so it's like we want to do this right. We want to do a top shelf because these kids deserve this. You know what I'm saying? Like these kids have very few events like who's number one that they show up and they feel special, you know? So how can we basically make the who's number one a duel? So I find the most expensive freaking hotel I could possibly find in Atlanta <laughs> being the idiot that I am at the Marriott Marquis. And like, we just pulled the event off and like, I'm, I'm literally just walking around and, you know, of course, like the minute I plan any event, I call Travis Gerard, like, you know, he runs a scuffle and he does a ton of stuff with the NCAA tournament, you know, and like, he's my guy, like we've been doing tournaments together. I would never run another tournament without that man. And, and I called him and I said, Travis, I got another wild idea. I just need you on board with it. Just make sure you ain't got a softball game that weekend with your daughter, like show up here. And Travis is the most low key, like, guy and he he trusts me and i trust him so like these teams start rolling in that friday and it just becomes the most unbelievable weekend you know and then you know it was like we're gonna put our best against your best and we're gonna put the southeast boys against everybody else on the planet you know and who would have thought the team minion like literally storybook ending to the duel against kong you know the the, the they shouldn't have won on paper and it just kind of set the tone for where we're at but like I will say this, anybody that, that runs events knows, I mean, and you've been involved with who's number one, like it is tough to put the best kids together at what one time, like just the commitments and, you know, everything. So like this event is not the biggest event we do, but it is by far the most stressful event we do just because like, it's such a high level, you know, you know, demand yeah. and everything's got to be perfect. You know, I mean, because certain events, like I said, who's number one have set the bar and, you know, that's just what we want to do. We just want to have the most elite event, you know, in, in this format. And again, college coaches can come and they ain't got to run around to 30 different mats. I mean, Super 32 is what it is. And it'll be, you know, etched in stone as one of the best tournaments ever in the history of high school wrestling and, and now all ages. But like, man, four or five mats, that's easy for a coach to come and watch, you know, and see the kids and know who's coming up. So like, you know, it's just, it's just, again, it's one of those things that's cool to be a part of, you know, it's cool to be a part of with a guy like Shane, who, you know, he's got my back no matter what. We actually had our first fight this week. It was kind of funny. Oh, that's <laughs> I just cute. Texted him. I was like, I, it, 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 yeah, it, it was, it was crazy. Cause I, I mean, me and him are just 
get along so well. And we had our first kind of fight this week. And I just texted him. I was like, I don't want to talk. So like several times this week, he's just texted me out of a joke. Like, I don't want to talk, <laughs> but nah, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a great relationship with me and him and the people we have on board. Like I said, man, that, you know, but probably my biggest challenge as an entrepreneur, as a, as a dreamer, like doer, big, a doer of like big things that, that are just scary to do is like, just learning how to delegate, like, letting people that are good at their jobs do their jobs and let me, you know, just stay in my lane. So like I'm getting better at that. You know, we, we brought some guys on like Jeremiah Walker and stuff. who's like just the backbone of what we do and, and do it for the right reasons. So like we're figuring out how to, and I don't want to run a ton of tournaments. I don't like, that's not, that's not my love to run big of it, but you know, this one's pretty special and we put our heart and soul into it. And, you know, I, I hope I hope the kids truly appreciate it for what it is and what we do, because, you know, hopefully it'll be a profitable thing at some point. <laughs> it has not been up to this point, but it, it's like I said, it's it's fine. We, we have a blast doing it. Sure. So it's I, it's this weekend, right? Give me give me like yep. the most what you're looking forward to with the most exciting thing. I think Bray told me is there 23 or 29 percent of all ranked high school wrestlers are in this event. It's like, it's, it's out of this world. Yeah. I think that's dropped a little bit. I think uh, we've had a couple injuries. I mean, but it's still off the charts percentage wise. I mean, he sent me some of the new numbers this morning and it, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. I think it's 26% instead of okay. like 30% now, but I mean, that's still pretty absurd when you got 12 teams. And that's another thing we learned too. When you invite eight and one doesn't show up, like that's, that's crippling. So like, we're doing 12 teams. I think we'll eventually settle into 10 teams. And then it's always going to be an eight-man bracket on Sunday. So I want to stay elite eight. I don't want to just keep growing it. I mean, it's just like Super 32 used to really be a Super uh, 32-man bracket, you know, yeah. look at it now. So, um, I mean, I just – to me, to me, like, Shane follows that high school scene a lot more than I do, obviously, because of Cody and, and that type of stuff. And, like, and he knows these guys inside now. But to me, man, I just – I like watching these elite kids light up when they walk in a venue. And, you know, I was walking around last year just asking kids and I went to Jess Roga and I was like, I was like, well, what do you think? And he was like, this is one of the coolest events I've been to. And that, that's all I need. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't, I, 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 for a kid like that, that's wrestled everywhere, you know, at the highest level and, and for him to, you know, think that it's cool to be at an event, not just, yeah, I'm just here working, you know, doing my normal thing like that. That's what I care about, you know? And, um, you know, hopefully we just get more and more refined and better with it. And, you know, and, and we just keep creating cool experiences for these kids. So like, to me, I'm looking forward to the whistleblowing and, you know, all the, all the technology being hooked up and working right. I mean, that's the biggest thing I stress about, you know, Bill Gawkle has been amazing up to this point, helping me with a lot of that stuff, but, you know, getting together with you guys, I mean, it, it just made sense, you know, uh, from a coverage aspect. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited about that and, and, and creating a good working relationship to just, again, give these kids more and more and more exposure, you know, and give them the, giving these opportunities that they work a lifetime for and, and making them feel special, you know, but the cool thing is, is like, you know, when some of these big names drop, you know, that they're picking up Southeastern kids that, you know, cause travel is a little too tight this time of week. And you'll, you'll get some of these kids that, you know, it's like I told our club kids earlier this week, I said, stay ready. You know, you guys aren't top you know, 25 kids in the country, but if somebody needs to fill a hole, your weight needs to be sharp and you need to be ready to go. I mean, we're training for super 32. So like, that's the stories that are cool, right? A kid yeah. that wasn't on the card 
you know, that, that gets picked up by a team and then he knocks off a big name guy. Like that's the stuff, that's the stuff that's cool about our sport. You know, if you're ready and you get an opportunity that shine, then, you know, we'll give it to him. So, I mean, that's the cool, I'm, I'm looking for the, the cool storylines this weekend, you know, and I, I know Bray and, and Mike are coming in and that they're going to do a lot better job than I've done in the past of covering it. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the cool part for me is the stories, man. Like, I just like looking back and being like, you know what, this kid, you know, showed up and he was a dog underdog and like he, he clipped a couple kids and, you know, he made a name for himself, you know, and there's going to be a ton of college coaches there. And that's, that's the good, that's the cool part of the sport, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm super stoked. You got a, you got a, a great couple guys out there with Mike and David coming out. So, um, it should, it should be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it from home and, and kind of following some of the storylines that you were talking about. Um, we, we are moving toward, towards the end of the show. I know Kyle Clemens been really patient over here, taking notes and keeping everything in order, but he's gonna, he, he's gonna come on and, uh, well, maybe stump you here. You can throw some curveballs your way, Cliff. Probably. What? I don't know. You might know all these. It's our game sweated out. Five questions hoping to make you sweat. Are you ready to oh, play? God. Huh? Sure. All right. Number one, name a character in the show SpongeBob SquarePants other than SpongeBob SquarePants. Squidward. And see, you're you're already killing it. I wouldn't have got that. Nice work. Number two, who is the bar know-it-all in the hit show Cheers? Cliff Clavin. That was easy. I would have got that. Everybody knows Cliff Clavin. You got it. All right. Number three, what is the name of the American children's book series about the adventures of Emily Elizabeth and her giant red furred dog? Clifford the Big Red Dog. I see the trend here. Get up or send me a picture of Cliff of Clifford the Big Red Dog the other day, just randomly. Who did? Start doing oh, that. Man. Jenna Burkett. She just gave me a random picture of Clifford the Big Red Dog the other day. <laughs> Number four, in chemistry, what is it called when a substance is made up of two or more different chemical elements combined in a fixed ratio? A compound? <laughs> yep. ah! I see what he's doing here. I see what he's Forget doing it. here. See, he's getting degrees, baby. <laughs> And number five, what wrestler from Georgia won eight Fargo titles and a junior world championship? I was sitting in the stands wearing a paper Burger King hat. That is, that is, uh, <laughs> Sean Hague. I'm doing almost, almost. Oh, you almost missed Sean it. Russell. Oh, uh, yeah. Sean Hague, a man amongst boys. Dang. Yep. Five for five. Five for Dang. five, starting it out. When's the last time we had a five for Greatest. five? been a while i'm surrounded by great greatness behind me surrounded by greatness seriously okay for this my whole life i I, and i was i was i'd be finished but i we gotta talk about worlds we don't don't need to dive deep because we don't have all that much time but i know you were up i know you if you weren't i know you went back and watched um man what'd you think about the team this year any of the teams the performances pretty lights out yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate Russia wasn't there, but I'll tell you this, man, like, I, 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 and I tweeted yesterday after Snyder got done, man, like, what a what an amazing time to be an American wrestling fan, because even, even though, I mean, you got guys like Rivera that, you know, they're not representing the, the, the USA, but like, to just watch those kids pass, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're, we're fans of mass college wrestlers, you got fine silver and all these other guys that are going out doing their thing. And like, they, they're creating opportunities to, to be the best guys in the world. I mean, I know some people think that's, 
that's not right. But I mean, sit at home or go, go, go compete. You know, I mean, we know where they're, we know where they trained at, where they came from and what they're about, you know, at the end of the day, man, seeing those guys, you know, gel like that, you know, I mean, it was always tough for us, you know, with the Burroughs day Taylor thing, when they were all clumped together is like, you got to pick one of those guys, you know what I'm saying? Like whether you admit it or not, but like now to see those guys spread out, like, it's just, it's too freaking cool, man. Like I just, and and watching them as long as you have, you know, and being so closely connected to them, like you, you, you feel the same. It's like, what, what a time, what a time to be an American wrestling fan, you know? And like, I'll tell you, man, Iran's got some young scrappers, dude. Like the, you know, with Yanni ends a drought and that was amazing. And I know he's, he's not happy with silver, but like that kid was freaking good, man. Really? You know, and they're, they're, they're rebuilding and coming back. I was a little disappointed, you know, in, in some of the, you know, the other teams like Azerbaijan and Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan, they usually they'll bring more than just, you know, a couple tough guys. You know, I think those, those countries are down for, for whatever reason. Um, uh, you know, I, I was a little, I was a little shocked that, you, you know, that Bajrang, he looked a little flat. Like he's one of my faves, you know, yeah. to watch. Like, I mean, he, of course he got it done in the end, but like he, he didn't look like his normal self, but I mean, dude, it, it was great. It was great. I mean, all the people are saying worlds is down, whatever, you know, Russia wasn't there. Like, all right. It was still some amazing wrestling, man. I, 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 I gladly trade the sleep deprivation, you know, to, to watch all that. And you know, and I, I appreciate the covers that, you know, Bray and those guys did, man. It, it was cool kind of being in the saddle with, with those guys. I, I remember back in the day when it was just Jason Bryant on like an audio stream and yeah. like you're just listening and you're just texting your buddies or really wasn't anywhere to have like a community conversation. So like how far have we come to just be able to watch it with the wrestling community is pretty, pretty doggone cool too. So yeah, and it, it, just, just levels to everything. You brought this up at the beginning of this, when we were talking about worlds, like oh, Dave Taylor, Burroughs, but they were all clumped together in one weight. This is for either of you. Going as far back as, like, was there ever a time when you had, I mean, these are three of the, and Jordan's the greatest, they're very, very easily arguable. Dake and Taylor aren't far off. They're t- top 10, top 20, top 15 probably, at least, maybe, be- you know, with, with time on the clock yet. Has that ever happened? Where there was, I know there was like Schultz and Monday, and you had these, these you know, two-man rivalries. Was there ever three guys stacked in a weight that finally separated and was like, holy cow? These two, I think Taylor's Brent, got three. Yeah. Klingman would know more than I do. He's the he's the historian, but like I mean, I know I know Cross and Brands. You know some of those some of those battles come to mind where guys that that won Olympic and world medals that were around the same weight, but like I don't know about three deep. I mean that's that's kind of insane. I agree with you. And to be able to spread out and still win, yeah. not just you know not just spread out. Like I mean. Brands and Cross and those guys, like, you know, they went up and down a little bit, but not as much as they did. I mean, look at Taylor, you know, I mean, Taylor had the frame for it, but, and I was, I don't want to say I was surprised, but, and I don't know how the, the world team selection works with, you know, you having to pick your spot, but I didn't know if, you know, Dake would look at 79 and, you know, maybe think that was an easier path and less weight cut, you know, and, and force Jordan down. But I, I don't know how that dynamic works from a rule standpoint, or that's what he wanted to do anyways. Um, I was kind of crazy. He's going to any line wrestling club, but like, I guess they're rich, get richer, huh? Well, that's, that is crazy because, you know, Nolf's there at 74 and he's nipping on the heels of Dake. Shoot. They wrestled, what was it? Two, two, one. Or they wrestled a really close match not too long ago. 
So. Smoked him the first, you know, smoked him bad that first couple times, and then, like, it got a little bit closer. You're right. Yeah. You're right. And that's the thing, man. Like, friends close, enemies closer. <laughs> we'll see, man. And in two more years, obviously, Kyle's going to progress. But you give you give Nolf a couple more years to progress. Should be interesting. And I bet I bet Klingman's over here going through his Rolodex of wrestling encyclopedia, trying to figure out if there's ever a three-man group this successful that spread out and kept winning. But Kyle, you got anything? Yeah. Uh, the reason it, it, it is the number one that got spread out, and part of that was because in 1996 they stopped at the 10 weight classes. So kind of got forced into hmm. being clumped together there for a little bit. And then once you expanded out to the 10 weight classes in 2018, you started seeing the ability to separate a little bit. So it got forced into that, and it'll get forced again with the Olympics. But there's never been a, a grouping like this in U.S. history for sure. Four, four, 14 titles between these three guys with yeah. however, you know, much longer they keep going. So, yeah, yeah, one of the best times Absolutely to be a, an American wrestling fan. Um, sweet. Well, Cliff, we're kind of down to the end of the hour, but I do want to give you uh, the final word to say anything about Georgia, Compound, your ride or die wife, Stephanie, any, any <laughs> and or everything. But, uh, yeah, the floor is yours. Yeah, man, like I just, I, I'm not going to use this to be a sales pitch, man. I, I, you know, we got our club and, you know, Compound Wrestling, we got our clothing company, Compound Sportswear. And, you know, like I said, my, my wife's been unbelievable. But, you know, like I think a lot of people ask me a lot of times what my motives are. Like, and I'm the least likely to quote a country music song, but I, Luke Combs says it best. Like, would you still, you know, what would you do if you weren't doing this? I'd still be doing this. It wouldn't matter if it was money or or not like it's just it's who i am and and, and a huge part of my life and I, i'm just i'm blessed to be a part of every aspect of it good and bad it's it's definitely shaped me into the person i am awesome well man you you and actually one more question you go back to this guy even pre-gnwa right this 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 guy who was devastated and he never won a state title and if i said hey in 2022 this is who cliff fretwell is going to be Right, a, a big member of the wrestling community. He's got a clothing company. He's got an apparel company. Now, those are the same thing. He's got a, a club. He's doing this big wrestling event. Would you believe me? Nah, I'd uh, probably be drawing pictures at like an amusement park or something. <laughs> drawing the character <laughs> pictures at an amusement park or something. Nah, I just, I, I did, man. I think that's the cool part of life's journey is like, if you're if you're constantly trying to evaluate what your strengths and weaknesses are and, and progress each day, like you've got the people around you that try to squeeze it out of you, then you know it's it's an adventure, you know, and it's that's that's kind of what's happened. You know, I've just I've learned what I'm good at, and some people have helped me recognize that. And like I said, man, it's it's just on to the next, man. It's on to the next scary thing, the next cool scary thing in my life, and you know, it's no, not even close, not even remotely close. Awesome. Well, and, and I'm sure there, there's lots more to come and probably more things that we'd, you know, in 10 years we'll look back back. Oh, I didn't expect that. <laughs> didn't expect that. So I'll try, I'll try to keep the trend alive. <laughs> yeah. Well, please do Cliff. You, you've done a, had a big impact on the wrestling community. I know you'll continue to and elite eight duels. Everybody it's this weekend. You can watch it here on flow. Um, follow along. I'm sure tons of social media, different accounts and, and whatnot, but we appreciate everything you've done. Cliff. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, man, I can't wait to run into you again. Appreciate it, Bader. Always, always appreciate our friendship.
Yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe I don't know if I'm going to scuffle this year, but if we do, we'll do our January 1st. We, me and Cliff had this tradition for several years in a row where January 1st before the scuffle, we'd put our shoes on and roll around. So, yeah. But you, you beat me up. Stop. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, that's going to do it, Cliff. Thanks so much, man. Uh, best of luck with the lead eight this weekend. All yes, right, sir. Have a great day. Cliff Fretwell, everyone. And um, what'd you think? What'd you think, Kyle? Good show? Guy's awesome. Yeah. Man, what a what a trendsetter and a guy that uh, is really on the front end. I love what he had to say about Stephanie Fretwell, his wife. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, ride or die. Um, that's going to do it for today's show. Like I said, Elite Eight Duels this weekend on Flow. And uh, tomorrow on the show, we're going to have Jacory Teamer. Jacory Teamer. Wednesday, the world champion, Amit Alor, the youngest world champion in U.S. history. So, uh, fun week. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Thanks so much. Until next time. Bye-bye.